Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Hey guys, welcome to our third episode of our Good News series where we're digging into some great news and we've celebrated some good news so far. And this is the part uh, of our presentation where we're going to study the Bible together. We've been looking at the main message of the Bible, which is good news. Did you know that the Bible is all about good news? It's good news for you. It's good news for our world. It's good news for when it was written. It's good news for now and it's good news for the future. The person of Jesus, which the Bible is all about, is the center of that good news. And we've been explaining the message of the good news of the Bible with this phrase. What is the good news? Well, the good news is this. God loves us so much. And that was our first week together. We talked about the love of God, how he created us, how he made us, and he's given everything for us. God loves you no matter who you are or where you are in your spiritual journey. For God so loved the world. That's the start of the good news. God loves us so much that Christ, his son, died for our sin. Last week, we looked at the real problem. And did you know that every problem comes from the same place? It all comes from the real problem, which is sin. We're broken by sin, our bodies, our thoughts, our world. And death entered this world because of sin. And Christ came to solve that real problem. Here's really, really good news that offsets that bad news. Yes, you're a sinner, but Jesus came to correct that, to fix that and to give us hope and life. And so this good news that God loved us and that he sent Christ to die for our sins is what we celebrated so far. And this week we're looking at the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He didn't just stay dead, but he rose again from the dead. And this proves some stuff. This has incredible impact and incredible uh, fallout for your life and for mine. So stay tuned as we dig into this and we see it afresh. You may have heard about the cross and the resurrection your entire life. And you might say, hey, that's old news. Today, I want you to be reminded about how special and how powerful this is. And maybe you been skeptical about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about how you can know for sure that he actually died and he actually rose from the dead and how this makes all the difference even in 2020. And then next week join us as we talk about the last part about how this saves us yesterday, it saves us today, and it's saving us into the future. So jump in with me as we look at two powerful parts of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to remind ourselves of something we looked at in week one, and we're going to spend a lot of our time in 2 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21. This is good news and life-changing news for all of us. Let's look first at 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. Remember this, it says, for I delivered to you as of first importance, right? This delivery, this good news, the most important thing you can hear is what you also received, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. Today, we're focusing in on this powerful truth that Jesus died for our sins. Hey, death is a reality. Death happens in every, every day, in every moment. 
If you turn on any newscast now during this season, you're going to see a tracker uh, of how many people have died because of the coronavirus. Death exists. Why is the death of this one man so special? Why of all the deaths in all the world is Jesus' death highlighted and talked about and sung about? Why are we reminded of it every year? Why are there holidays wrapped around it? Jesus' death has a powerful impact on all of us. And we're going to dive into the importance of Jesus' death over this next 10 minutes. When Jesus died, Jesus' death transformed your life and my life because Jesus' death solves our problem of sin. This is explained again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and again, this is where we'll be. So if you're following along in your Bible, if you're talking about this later in your small group, we've got some questions that you can uh, write down and discuss at a future time. But read this again this week, this entire chapter, and when you get to these verses, be reminded of this. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ controls us. Remember, this good news is all... Uh, balanced on the love of Christ. It's all done for love, for love for you, for love for me. It controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but live for him who for their sake died. Here's the big deal about Jesus's death. Jesus's death brings you life. And that's what we want to understand together today. When Jesus died, he brought you brand new life. You see, the problem of sin, the real problem, the problem that we can't solve ourselves, is solved in the death of Jesus. God's wrath, the punishment, the judgment, the the just reward of sin is death. Last week, we talked about Adam's sin breaking the world, and we all are paying the consequences of that, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God solved our sin problem by putting his wrath and our payment being made was done on the cross. When you look at the cross of Jesus, the the life of Jesus, you see that Jesus, God's son, came. He lived a sinless life, not something that you or I could do. He deserved no punishment. He deserved not to die. But he voluntarily stood in your place and in my place. His love for us controlled him so that he voluntarily took your punishment and my punishment. We have been declared guilty, yet he paid the prison sentence that we deserve. And Jesus hung on that cross and his body was broken and he went through that trauma and that turmoil because of his love for you and me and God's wrath God's anger towards sin, the just payment that must be demanded for a holy and just God was satisfied on the cross when Jesus died in your place and in my place. You see, only Jesus could pay the debt debt for all of our sins. The worst thing that you've ever done, that you've ever thought, that you've ever said, has been paid for. And it was sufficient. One death covered the payment for all of our lives. His death gives you and I life. This is incredibly good news. When you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, 
and you confess your sins and you accept the free gift of salvation, your life is now transformed and everything is made new. So let's ask ourselves a few questions and you can discuss these in the future as you get together over lunch with your family or with your small group at a later time or even today in your worship site. Did Jesus really die? I mean, this is a debate that's been roaring ever since uh, Jesus walked on this earth. And in the Bible, in Matthew 27, in Mark, in Luke, and in John, all of them share the story of Jesus' death and crucifixion. Every Easter season, every Good Friday, we go through this story in detail. Every time the church comes together for communion, we remember these moments. But is this historical fact or is this fiction? Did he actually die? Was there a character named Jesus who hung on the cross? And of all the questions we're going to ask today, this one is probably the easiest to answer. Nobody, nobody, no historian denies that Jesus lived and that he died on the cross. It's too well documented. It's known as historical fact, not fiction. Jesus was here as a character who walked on this earth, just as real as George Washington, Jesus was real. And he died on the cross in front of all kinds of people. So yes, Jesus died, and that's a fact. Now, how does the cross impact me in 2020? How does believing that Jesus died on a cross so many years ago matter to me today, thousands of years after it happened? Well, 2 Corinthians 15, 14 helps answer that question. If anyone is in Christ, all right? So if you believe in Jesus, if you become a follower of Jesus, you become a part of the family of God, your payment of sin been paid for. If anyone is in Christ, if you've had that moment where you've personally accepted Jesus as your savior, and that story that you're able to tell other people, even in your group, about your belief, your conversion, the moment you became born again. If anyone is in Christ, not working for your own salvation, but believing in Jesus for your salvation. If that is true of you, then here's what happens. He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all this from God, who through Christ reconciled to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, one of my favorite moments in the world, and it happens every time I get to pray with somebody who receives Jesus as their Savior, is the moment after we've prayed, and we've prayed and had a conversation with God, God, I'm sinned, I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me, and I want to accept the free gift of salvation. When somebody's praying that prayer, and we have our heads bowed, and our eyes are closed together, and we look up after this prayer, man, that's a moment that sticks with me because that's a moment when you make eye contact with somebody who is new. Somebody who's totally different than they were a few seconds earlier. Someone whose old self has died and their new self has come to life. There's a brand new person that's been saved by Jesus Christ because of that decision to follow God. That moment when you make eye contact for the very first time with someone you may have known all your life is a special moment. The last time this happened was just a few weeks ago when my son, one of my ones who we've been praying for, made the decision to become a follower of Jesus. And he, he talked to me and my mom and we, his mom, and we had a great conversation about it. And we said, do you want to pray to get saved? He said, yeah, I do. And he prayed that prayer and, and he, he accepted Jesus. And when he opened his eyes in that special moment, he had tears. 
He got emotional. He didn't know what to do with himself. He had a feeling that he had never had before because he was new. When you become a follower of Jesus, he makes you new. And here's the truth in this passage. How the cross impacts you is your old self and your sin died with Christ. Your old self and any sin that you committed died with Christ. It's dead. It has been crucified. It lives no longer. Listen, there are so many of us that carry around the guilt and the shame of our past sins and of our past life. Here's the great news that comes with the cross of Jesus. Those old mistakes and that old self is dead and you are invited into new life into a fresh new day every time you enter or re-enter into your renewed relationship with Jesus. Here's the fact, man. We like new things. In my house, something brand new has happened in the last couple of weeks. And I, I think I want to take you there and show it to you. So let me show you something that's new at our house. So speaking of new things, a couple of weeks ago, Delaney, my daughter, had the urge to buy a hamster. And so with her own money, she went out and got a hamster and a hamster cage. And so for us, one of the new shiny things in our life is this brand new hamster named Polly. This is Polly Pocket, our hamster. Polly bit my finger the other day, but Polly was brand new. Now, what we didn't know about hamsters at the time is that hamsters are nocturnal. They like to run around at night. And so Polly has this incredible little wheel that she runs on. Well, my daughter decided to have Polly sleep right next to the bed. And after the first night of Polly being home, that hamster ran and ran and ran on that wheel all night and left the na- uh, made Delaney had a horrible night of sleep. And Laney woke up that next day on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, everything was wrong. She was dead tired. Her fuse was incredibly short. And we said, that's it. Polly's not sleeping in your room anymore. So the next night, Polly slept in another part of the house. And Delaney got a brand, a great night's sleep. And she had a brand new day. The next day, night and day difference. Cheerful, alert, ready to charge through whatever would come her way. New things make a difference. And the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. One of the great things about newness, about a new day, is that we have a chance to start over and start anew with what God has for us. So that's why being new is so incredibly important. We're going to celebrate together uh, newness in Christ as we continue on during this good news series. Say goodbye to Polly. See you later, guys. So yeah, there's a speaking of new things. We have a brand new hamster named Polly who's interrupting our sleep. And Delaney's learned that there is mercies that are new every morning. And just like Delaney, you probably need a fresh start after some very hard days. That's what's so great about new things. Someday, I would love to have a brand new Toyota Tacoma with four-door cab and a six-foot bed. I would like it to be dark blue or black, and I'd like to drive down the street in that bad boy. Why? Because who doesn't like a new car? Who doesn't like a new car smell? We also like new songs. You know, there are not a ton of oldies radio stations on on the airwaves. There's a couple, but they're old. That's why they're called the oldies. 
the popular stations, the stations where everybody's listening to stuff, the place where kids are going on their Spotify's and their Pandora's. They're going to hear new songs. Why? Because we like new things. And when you have the opportunity to start new and to start fresh, that is a gift that is given to you by God and it's given to you every day. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what happened tomorrow, because of your relationship with God, you can wake up new and afresh. And His mercies are new every morning. How does the cross impact you? Today, it gives you the opportunity to live a new life. To walk in newness of life with God. There's hope for tomorrow because tomorrow can be a new day. If you are in Christ and you've been transformed with Christ, look at what happens when you're made new. You have new feelings. For a lot of us, this week in this political turmoil causes stress and anxiety. Along with the political results and the lack thereof over the last few days, every newscast has brought in a specialist to teach all of us how to calm our stress and anxieties. And they give a lot of great advice. How would you like to have peace instead of anxiety? No matter who's in charge of the, of the nation, no matter who the king of the, the next country is or the next queen of England is, God is still in charge. And when God gives me new life, he gives me new feelings and I trade peace for anxiety that I can be fresh anew and I don't have to depend on human physical leaders to guide my life, I can depend on Christ who gives me a new life. He gives us a new way of thinking. And some of us in this political season, if we didn't get what we wanted, we want revenge. We want, we want to put things right. But when you have new thinking, instead of revenge, you're able to think, let's be kind. Let's be generous. Let's be loving, even with our enemy, even with our, the people that we disagree with. When you trade new life in Christ, you have a new purpose. And your life goes from getting what can I get? How much money can I have? How happy can I be? What does this relationship do for me? Instead, you have a purpose that says give. I want to give myself for your benefit. I want to be generous with you. I want to please God in heaven. I want to give him worship and give him praise. I want to offer my body a living sacrifice. So our purpose is new and we go from getting to giving. And when we're new in Christ, we have a brand new life and it goes from self to Christ. Less of me and more of Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. This is what's available in 2020 for every one of us who are in Christ. We get newness in every area of our lives. And that newness is offered afresh every morning. Are you struggling in 2020? Has this time, has this turmoil, has this trauma affected you? What do you do about it? I want to tell you right now, you run to the cross of Jesus. You confess your sins. You confess your doubts. You lay them at the cross and Jesus will give you newness of life. He'll give you a fresh start, a new day. And sometimes we have to take these confessions hour by hour. And sometimes we can take them week by week. But whenever we find ourselves struggling or hurting 
anxious or selfish, we can take them to the cross and he gives us new life. God asks us to do this on a regular basis through the practice of communion. And communion is a sacrament that we participate in that is given to us as a, as a tradition, as a practice, so that we can remind ourselves of the death of cross, uh, the death of Jesus on the cross, so we can confess our sins and lay them at the foot of cross, and so that we can be in a new standing with God every time we go through this practice of remembering Jesus' death, drinking the bread, uh, eating the bread and drinking the cup that he gives us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. God's purpose is that the world will one day be made new, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting to us, those who are in Christ, the message of reconciliation. How does this impact me in 2020? It says that I am a part of God's plan to make the world new. And I have a message that I can give to other people. Found people, find people. And because Jesus died on the cross, I want to shout it from the mountaintops that everyone can have brand new life in Christ if they would just believe, confess your sins, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And so, Christian, don't be silent in 2020 because of your faith in Jesus. Be loud about Jesus. Invite people to know Jesus and be an example of displaying Jesus in your lives. And maybe, just maybe, that one person who you are praying for to let Jesus transform their life will see and hear and accept the invitation that you give them to know newness in Christ. Repentance equals a new direction. When we repent of our sins, we simply turn from the direction we were going in and we begin walking in a brand new direction. Jesus says, believe in me, repent and be baptized and you will be saved. So this is a powerful part of the gospel, understanding repentance I was walking this way. I was doing those things I shouldn't do. I am sorry for the direction that I was going. And I am now moving in a different direction, a new direction that we were designed to walk in, in the power of Jesus. Well, as we finish up our conversation together, we want to look very quickly at this powerful truth and this good news that not only did Jesus die, but that he rose again. And again, in 1 Corinthians 15 and in 2 Corinthians 15, we continue on with this powerful body Bible study. 1 Corinthians 15, 4 says he was buried and he raised again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now, here's the powerful news. Here's what makes Jesus' death way special, right? He rose again from the dead. According with the scriptures, this death was predicted. It was predicted in the Old Testament. It was shadowed. It was demonstrated. There were types in all of the stories. Jonah being in the belly of the whale and then coming back out again, demonstrating to us that something special was going to happen when the Messiah came. In accordance with the scripture, Jesus was that Messiah who was promised. He rose from the dead, proving who he said he was. Now ask ourselves these questions. Did Jesus actually raise from the dead? For those of you that believe in Jesus, you answer this question. Yes, of course he did. But there are many out there who are skeptical, and rightfully so. 
because people don't just raise from the dead. And what I want to share with you in our closing moments together is something that you can not only know for your own personal faith, but that you can share with others so that you can strengthen their faith. How do we know that Jesus rose from the dead? We have the same eyewitnesses to the, to the death of Jesus sharing with us their experience of Jesus' resurrection. It's in Matthew 28, it's in Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. Paul in Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians and Philippians, he talks about the resurrection of Jesus. So is it historical fact or fiction that Jesus rose from the dead? And then how does this impact me in 2020? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us some very interesting news about Jesus. See, Jesus died on the cross. And as the story goes, three days later, he rose again from the dead. The first person to see him was a girl named Mary. It is special and powerful that Jesus presented himself first to a girl, to, to the special, not his mother, but his friend. And Mary saw Jesus alive. And then other people started seeing Jesus alive. He had died. He was dead. He was buried. Yet here he is breathing and walking and speaking. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us about eyewitnesses who saw Jesus alive after he died. And let's just track together. Let me ask you the question, how many eyewitnesses are we told about in just this one account? It says that he, Jesus, appeared to Cephas, then to 12. Well, now we're at least 13 people. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Now we're at 513 people most of whom were still alive and telling people about it, and some had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. This is powerful because it's his very own brother. And last of all, to the one untimely board, uh, born, he appeared also to me. Paul himself saw the resurrected Jesus years after his ascension in, into heaven. So how many people saw Jesus? Well, we at least have 515. I want to say to you that it's very common in the Bible that they talk about the brothers who were present. And often this is talking about a crowd, and it was tradition that they would count the men in the crowd, not counting the women and children. There were probably another 500 women and approximately another 500 children running around if there was a one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one ratio. We are talking about easily over a thousand people who saw Christ alive. And this is just one account. Jesus didn't just raise from the dead and, and disappear somewhere. Jesus rose from the dead and he walked around. He lived on this earth. He talked, he ate, he presented himself to people for days and days and days and days after his crucifixion. You see, the eyewitnesses testify that Jesus's resurrection is fact. They saw it. They swear to it in court. They recorded it for us. They tell the stories about it. This eyewitness account is a powerful proof that Jesus rose from the dead and that Jesus's resurrection changed the world. What happened to these eyewitnesses? What did they believe? How did it change them? How did it transform them? This resurrection changed the disciples. Every single one of these disciples' lives were transformed and made new when their teacher rose from the dead. And these disciples went from scared and terrified. They went from hiding to proclaiming Jesus' death. And every single one of these disciples went to their graves proclaiming the truth that Jesus rose from the dead. They gave their lives 
Not one said it was made up. Not one said it wasn't true. We were telling lies about it. Not one. Every single disciple, the 12 apostles, the the hundreds that followed, transformed. And they transformed their country, their city, their world. There was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who believed in Jesus' death and resurrection because of these eyewitnesses' transformation and passion and belief. And if this is true, and if their lives are so radically different, then how does this change me? If Jesus rose from the dead, then everything that he said is true. I want you to hold on to this for one powerful moment. If Jesus actually rose from the dead, then everything he said is true. Think about this. To Peter, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That means that there is a place for you and for me in heaven that's being prepared by Jesus. He told John that he's going to come back again. So we are waiting the return of Jesus, our Savior. He told Thomas that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by him. He told Matthew that he, Jesus, fulfills the law and the prophets. In other words, the Old Testament is all about Jesus. And if he, died, if he rose again from the dead, then this has to be true. If Jesus, Jesus told two disciples that everything must be fulfilled that's written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. So Jesus said that the Old Testament and the New Testament must be fulfilled and are true. Jesus is the one who said it. And therefore, we believe it. Let's, this is how we say this around Branch Life. We don't believe in Jesus because the Bible says so. We believe in the Bible because Jesus says so. So many people go around and they want to say to their friends, believe the Bible, believe the Bible, believe the Bible. Hey, if you're convinced the Bible is true, then this is a powerful, powerful tool in your life. This is sharper than any two-edged sword. This is alive and well. But if you do not believe in Jesus, the first thing you need to believe is not the Bible. It's Jesus. You need to believe that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. I don't want someone to behave the way the Bible tells us to behave until they have a personal relationship with the author of these words. So we give people Jesus. We give people the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus and the relationship of Jesus before we ask them to change their thinking and their life. You see, Jesus makes us new. And Jesus gives us new thoughts, new feelings, new emotion, and a new direction. So let's give people Jesus. We stop asking them to think and to feel and to do what we do and if they don't know our Lord. But when they know our Lord, then we're able to tell them about the truth of God's Word. So we believe the Bible because Jesus tells us to believe the Bible. So let's spread the good news of Jesus. And more things that Jesus says. Jesus told James to forgive. Jesus told Bartholomew to worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus told Jude to love, bless, and pray for your enemies. The other political party. The other country. The other economies. The other business owner. The other team. Jesus told Simon to treat others how you want to be treated. And every mother looked at their child and said, Amen. Treat your sister the way you want to be treated. Treat your employees the way you want to be treated. Treat your students 
the way you want to be treated. Treat your teachers the way you want to be treated. He told Philip to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Passionately loving the Lord. And he told Mark to love your neighbor as yourself. If Jesus rose from the dead, then everything that he said is true. And this is the way we should live our lives. You see, the good news radically transforms our choices. And it transforms our lives today in 2020. Your relationship with Jesus should change your day today and every day to follow. It is a foolish thing to say you believe in Jesus, but to live like you don't. And when you believe in the cross of Jesus, it transforms your day. And we do what he says from age to age and hour by hour. 2 Corinthians 15 verse 14 says, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but live for him who for their sake died and rose again. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 5 is my life verse. It is my life verse. And I stand before you today to say that I live that I no longer live for myself, but I live for him who died and he rose for me. So I offer my body a living sacrifice. It changes my life today. We want to encourage you to connect as you think through these powerful thoughts that we've shared with you today. And if this is your first time or you're with us every time, would you go to branchlife.church slash Let us know that you've worshiped with us, whether it's live on Sunday or during the rebroadcast or listening to the podcast at home. And if you have your own personal salvation or relationship with Jesus, go to the gospel tab and you can hear more information, read some more thoughts about how you can begin a personal relationship with Jesus today. Don't put it off. Don't wait for another moment. If you're ready for a new life, would you go to this gospel tab and respond? And if today you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you've decided to become a follower of Jesus because of this good news, you can let us know that in either one of these places. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be in part four next week where we explore some incredible truth about what salvation does for us yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So don't miss next week. Have a great rest of your day, and thanks for joining us. God bless.